0: Three, two, one. And after many delays and many setbacks, we finally got
1: RPJ. That's right. We are here. Finally. I was just, I I just
0: asked RPJ before we started this call if there was a situation where he ever took a cookie and stuck it up his ear. He could not confirm nor
1: deny. Yeah, it is uh, it's definitely been one of those days. <laughs> All about the he said she said bullshit
0: type deals. So welcome, welcome. It is it's it's finally we're on episode eight as of now.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> like episode six had gone up like a couple of days ago, I think, when I had gotten in touch with you. So yeah, something like that. Um mm-hmm. it seems like we're 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 off to the races then, you know? And as I had mentioned, I had been actually going back and I thought I should probably actually stop slacking off on this because I'm terrible about procrastination. And uh, just, you know, see what's up with the podcast, listen to it. And I honestly, I've I've told Sean Walsh this. I said, dude, I think you could almost just put the SWS on the back burner because this thing has taken off for me. I'm really been interested in it.
0: I, I, I appreciate that because, like, my whole goal with the show was always to be more of a conversation between whoever I'm talking to rather than an interview. Um, even though sometimes yeah. it comes off like an interview because I am asking questions, but I want it to be more of a bouncing off ideas type of thing because I think it flows better rather than just me asking questions, especially if I don't know all that much about the other person because that that was something I learned from watching Smokey's
1: podcast
0: that uh, right
1: it, well I mean and as I say I believe he his his uh his train of thought going into his from what he said at least is that he uses his as a way to learn about people
0: I, and and that's fair enough but um I just think he goes about it in the wrong direction or I to, to be fair to be perfectly fair other than the one that he did with Max which I guess we'll get into later on Uh, on this edition that i haven't watched any of his or i shouldn't say watched i haven't listened to any of his podcasts other than the one that he did with me and from my experience it didn't seem like he knew of my career and just talked about himself which again it's his show he could do whatever he wants but it just to me it came off off off-putting personally
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, as like you said, everybody kind of has their own their own flavor and style to it. Um, I honestly, uh, if I may get into this a little later, but you know, like, I, for me, before I knew a lot of people in the community and I was just kind of breaking in, I guess you could say, um, for me, I, I was, Sean's Sean Walsh show thing was like a big, a big way in for me. I felt like I learned a lot about a lot of different things that I didn't know about previously thanks to that. So uh, to me, I just think the the informative side of it, I like that this is kind of discussion driven and you know you do ask questions. has that you know to me that's that's where everybody learns is it's from asking questions. and to me, that's kind of the how things are at the end of the day where you want things to go instead of just you know you're inviting people on just to talk about yourself.
0: Right. And the one thing I always like to talk about, especially when I have guests on the show, especially ones that have that have feds is uh, the difficult nature it is to run these these companies and and not that it's so much like like i don't want it to give off that vibe that you should never do this if if it's fun for you and you are willing to put in the work then by all means go for it it is worth it in the end when you actually are able to get the content out but to the people who like, let's say, um, complain or, or bitch and moan about certain things about a show. Uh, I always bring guests on that run call to kind of give an insight of how much work. Cause I don't know if people realize how much work goes into it. And in your case, you're the one that came up with the idea of different camera angles, which adds more work to the show.
1: Yeah, um, it's funny. This is one of the things, like, as I started listening to this more, um, that, you know, that got brought up, I noticed. And I was like, it's cool to, like, to kind of, I guess, get the credit for it. But at the same time, like, you know, I, I can't really take all the credit for it that I've been given because what I found out from especially, like, um, being on Twitter, mainly a lot of it came from Twitter for me is that there's a lot of people who has been doing things like, you know, using, uh, like say custom camera angles, whatnot. There's a lot of people who's been doing it for longer. And really all I did was, uh, observe this, practiced it myself a little bit, and then presented it to the, the other show owners or producers, however you want to put it that I know. And I, I guess it kind of caught fire. Um, some people really seem to like the notion of it. I know like Ray Getty is like, he's huge on it now. He's, you know, all about it. And I mean, like I said, it, it is definitely more work. Um, it's been discussed. I know like uh, I was talking to Scott Adams the other day, um, about it on discord and really it's what with, uh, the El Dorado championship wrestling stuff on 2k18, what made it take so long. Is because on there you had to like literally anytime you're going to use highlight reel, Ray talked about this a little bit, you're literally pausing the game, going in, um, going in, adjusting the clip. And then on 2K18, you couldn't really make any adjustments. So you had to, you could only save up to 20 clips. You'd have to go out into the creative video section of the game and then edit everything there and record those highlight reel clips. So it just took so much longer to do that way. It's better on 2K19. It's more akin to what it was like on 2K17. But uh, long story short, so it's like a spare rant here. It's it's just it is. It's time consuming, and that's been a reoccurring topic with it here. Um, if you've never sat down and tried to record a full length match on the game, I don't think you'll ever understand how much work it really can be.
0: Oh yeah, I uh, me having run. SWA for a certain amount of time it was stressful and that's not with the camera angles It's. It, I, I said it before I think in the first episode uh, with Travis, I basically said that you have to record the match, well actually let, let's go even before that It's it's buying the game uh, hoping you have the game system. If you don't, you gotta buy a game system. Then you gotta buy controllers. Um, then you gotta buy a capture card. Although PS4, I'm not sure about Xbox One, but I know PS4, you're able to record on the system. But uh, that just it's it's very tedious doing it on there. After you get it all uh, all your stuff, now you gotta get a roster. And depending on what type of roster you're gonna have, are you gonna have fantasy characters? Or are you gonna have people cutting promos? Fantasy characters may t- take its own uh, value of time. Depending on if you're gonna create them yourself or go on community creations, and if you're gonna get people, then you gotta communicate with them. Then you gotta figure out what you what direction you wanna go. And that's another thing people don't have is direction. I think people need to have like some sort of a uh, real direction for some of the characters they have. Then you gotta get the promos, then you gotta record the matches, then you gotta edit the matches together, or put the music in, then you gotta put the commentary on, and then you gotta put all the, the matches together and make it into one big show, then you gotta hope that YouTube doesn't take it down because of music copyrights. It's it's There's a lot that goes into it, and, and I just always felt like there are certain people who don't run shows, don't understand it, and there are people who try to, and then just ended up giving up after a couple.
1: Yeah, and and the nature of it is, uh, first of all, like you, you you take take into the scope of a platform like YouTube, which is already massive, and uh, and then you know everything you do over there, it, it kind of shrinks down smaller and smaller into these subcategories of it. So you know you, you're doing a, a form of gaming on YouTube. You're doing you know a wrestling niche here as well. You know, and you streak all the way down into, like, well, what call is. And then inside of, like, what call is, what I found out when I got into all of this is it's actually even a pretty big compute, uh, community to itself. Like, so you got all of these people. It doesn't matter if they're just people who are streaming, like, themselves playing universe mode, uh, if they're, like, the eFed stuff where it's AI versus AI, where people can just crank out episodes because they're not really doing that much production. If you got people who are doing insane amounts of production and getting a ton of views... Whatever it may be, if it's your first time getting into it, you're essentially here kind of like, where do I go? And what happens is some of those people, as they're going to be discouraged immediately. Because if you spent, you know, a full day recording all this stuff and then a full week editing everything, hey, and then you spent another two or three days doing commentary for your show, whatever, you know, you don't know where to promote it online or however, at the end of the day, what you're running into is you did all of this work. Which could be equivalent to a full work week for some people, you know, who have jobs and lives outside of this. And then you maybe get a handful of views and no real feedback on it. And then you're like, did I waste my time doing this?
0: And not only that, in your case, you have a busier life than most because you've got kids. Um, I mean, you're lit- you are literally the Heath Slater of our community. You've got kids. Uh, well, you're not the only one that has kids. Obviously, Ray Geddes has kids as well. So. It must right. be even longer for you, because you. I mean, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The second you have kids, your freedom is gone. You may as well just kiss that goodbye, because now you're you basically got to cater to your kid. He's got to be he or she's got to be the most important mm-hmm. thing. So I can just imagine like the lack of time you must have, because <laughs> you go to work and then you go home, and your your day's not over. You've got you've got a kid to take care of.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and like, well, I don't know if I've said this. I don't think I really said this like on when I first went on Sean's thing back around like 2015, which is when I first really kind of like identified myself, I guess, to people. But I came into uh, the community around the age, I want to say, of like 26, because I'm 32 now. I mean, some people say, wow, you're 32. But like, I came into the community really late. Like I I had been into the games and stuff for so long. I talked about this at length in several different places, but, um, what happened like 2013, 2014, the last band that I was in had uh, decided to part ways. And I was, I don't know. I was married at this time. Um, we were contemplating having our son and I just just didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't really have a lot of stuff other than work going on. And I had rented, uh, I want to say 2K14 at the time and just kind of took off from there on a whim and didn't really start off anything serious. But it caught a little bit of traction. Some friends were into what I was doing and it became a thing over time to where it is now. And it's made more friends along the way, got a little bit more traction, it seemed like. So, yeah, I mean, all of these life things, marriage, kids, stuff, like all this was like already on the table for me. It wasn't like, I was in call and I got married and then I had a kid Uh, I already had all that going on. So it was just another thing for me to fit into my daily thing. And I mean, if you really want to ask anybody how long it seems like it takes, I mean, you could ask my wife, she's Ray. I think he would say the same thing because like, unless somebody's here or, or somebody who's been on that side of it where you're actually doing that kind of content work, you don't really, again, you don't know how much time goes into it. Um, You know, people spend, uh, who are on rosters and stuff and have the luxury to do it, spend time making their own call every year. But what some people don't understand is that it's a dreaded thing. Many people echo this, is imagine now that you have to make 15, 20x, you know, amount of people to fill that roster every year. Because not everybody is either A, on the same console as you, or B, they don't have the game. And, uh ultimately i know from from conversation with him that that's why gsf with ray isn't going to be on 2K19 and he's waiting to 2K20 and it's a shame because 2K19 is a really good game
0: you said before that you were in a band and that just kind of like threw me for a loop because i know aj hawks was or still is in a band i'm I, i'm actually not sure if he's currently
1: in a band oh uh, they yeah they disbanded i mean i still use for those who don't know, I still use, he was the front man of the band too. His band, Ruthless, um, for the ECW Raw and ECW SmackDown shows. That's actually him singing on those tracks or gotcha. screaming, I guess, to be more specific. But that was his old band. Is yeah.
0: that is that what connected you with AJ Hawk?s Because um, I uh-huh. was first introduced to AJ Hawk's via Call All Stars, and yeah. obviously he's pretty much your guy if, if if i had to describe aj hawks and his home territory like everybody would say coh is my home territory i would say ecw is his home territory so would you say that uh, almost a lot of similarities came within the fact that
1: both of you were in a band you're both into wrestling and all that stuff yeah so it's actually a funny story um and this is how like a, a lot of like early ecw guys not all but like several came about um Though Another character that I'll kind of allude to with this, um, Ryan Asriel, that was our last world champion. Um, He was actually a music promoter that I knew from St. Louis, and turned out that he was a wrestling fan. Um, Anyway, there was another promoter from uh, Chicago who I'd never actually met, but I had been friends with on Facebook for a while, because at one point I was going to try to get our band booked there, just things didn't go that way. This guy's name was Jim. Jim and Anthony, or as people know him, AJ Hawks, were roommates, mm-hmm. and so Jim booked uh, Ruthless Anthony's band all the time. And uh, you know, he hit me up one time, and he was like, "Hey, man," he's like, uh, "You know, my roommate here, Anthony, he's actually really into wrestling even more than I am." He was like, "As Jim was on our show at this point as a character, he wasn't on for very long, but he was briefly at the time." And uh, he was like, "You know, maybe I could have him come in, you know, as like my partner or something." And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. Because, you know, I'm just trying to build a roster at this point and get as many people as I can. And uh, it turned out that AJ or Anthony was actually in wrestling school at the time and uh, ended up finishing up his wrestling school and had just started taking bookings uh, at that time. And it just clicked. You know, we started talking about wrestling. The music thing popped up too. Um, And it just kind of took off from there. And uh, anybody who's, you know, in talks and conversations – on the ECW side of things knows he's very involved with stuff now. So it's just, yeah, it's just been one of those, uh, one of those connections that's just kind of lasted. I mean, he's that this was going back to like late 2014 when we were like in our infancy. Oh, so he got into wrestling in his mid twenties as opposed to his early. Cause I think he's like yeah, a year than me. Yeah. I mean, he, he might've been like, as far as, yeah, he might've been, uh, in longer than that but I know like he was in he was in wrestling school He was finishing up training and stuff around that time okay um so
0: when you started to establish that this guy was like like you started to see a lot of similarities between you and him um you just pretty much decided okay I, I should bring this guy in and make him at least one of my main guys for the foreseeable future because uh I could trust him. We're obviously got a lot in common. Uh we're close, so
1: pretty much that that's that that was the deal. Yeah, I mean like, you know, you I think as like well, I can't say for everybody, but like for myself, like I gauge a lot of people when they come in based solely off their interest in, in the uh product, quote unquote. Like, you know, as you know, and he, you know, took to it, you know, he, he was cool with people. Um but at the time we had like an NXT tag team uh, championship and you know, I put the belts on him and Jim just as a thing. And uh, my booking was super terribly inconsistent back then. I really had no idea what I was doing, but you know, they held the belts briefly um, at one point, like I had these plans to make him like an NXT champion or something. But as far as like uh, his canon and arc, I guess you could say and ECW went another guy who, Ironically, I'd also met through music in the St. Louis music scene. Who uh, then went on after leaving ECW to become a pro wrestler and wrestles around St. Louis still. Uh, his name is Kyle. Um, his character was called McNasty Bones on the show. Um, he had been with ECW since like the first day that I launched it. Pretty much, he came in really early. Had uh, always been really involved and was just a really cool guy. And uh, he was supposed to actually at the time be feuding with Jeremy McLassen but wasn't really filling Jeremy's character. And he was like, let me keep this AJ Hawks guy instead. So these two, like, you know, AJ basically gets, I guess what you could say, the call up. And these guys just hit off. And, uh, people who were around in that era, I guess, they would tell you that it it was just super entertaining. Like it was hilarious. These guys were just off the wall. Some of their promos and, uh, people, people loved it. Right. So, uh, so, you know, people were immediately, like, pushing me to, like, trying to make AJ, like, world well, champion and all this. And I'm like, nah, he's still early. You know, he's good, but he's still early. I don't want to, like, strap a guy the belt just because essentially, like, you know, what do you do next? If you already win the world title, where do you go after that? So I, I started to kind of, at that point, started kind of giving some uh, better thoughts to booking processes. And it kind of just built up and built up. And then we got to the point where I did have AJ, like, cash in his money in the bank that he won become champion and uh, i think it paid off as far as that character goes at least
0: so in other words you basically were aj you basically were aj's introduction to the call world because like i said i had not heard of aj until i had the chance to work with them at call all stars i this that was my first introduction to him and i would say ever since then uh I, let me speak for myself. I'm assuming he agrees, but it's been actually a pleasure working with the guy and getting to know uh, his personality, and as well as him trying to get un- to understand mine at this point.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I think you could. I think that's a fair, a fair uh, assessment, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I got, I've got a lot of a lot of friends um, and other people that I've met who just, you know, I, I would say maybe that I, I introduced them to it but uh, uh to me that's just been kind of a perk for it is you know having people who share this common interest and showing them a wider perspective of it you know and then they meet other people like uh, to me at the end of the day that's kind of a win for everybody i feel like you know,
0: um i've only asked this question to sean i believe and it's a question that is interesting to me because it, I, I don't know if there's really a right and wrong answer to this one, because um, it's all a personal perspective. Why do you think that this is mostly a guy thing? Like, Why is there not enough women involved in our hobby of of CAW, if you want to call it that?
1: Yeah, actually you talked to Ray about it a little bit too. Oh, I did. Um yeah. and I and uh and I like I remember like listening like I said it was just like in the last week that I listened to both of these conversations. And, and I mean there was definitely like good points made across the board, but uh I don't know. It, it, it's weird. I know uh not, I don't know how many, but on Twitter I, there's a few I've seen a few, you know, people that have characters and do matches and stuff that are like actually female. I couldn't give you an exact number, but people do like this uh, thing on Twitter, it's trendy stuff or you know, they post like uh, out of character and then they post a picture of themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so there are, there are a few, but you know, it's more, it's still very, very lopsided when you, when you look at it from a, a sex position, male or female. Um, honestly, I think it kind of is a little bit like what Ray had to say about it. It definitely caters more to men or, you know, um, you know, like I said, I, explain it to to my wife who is a wrestling fan but she has no interest in it (laughs) so you know I mean it's not something I would expect her to be interested in though you know I I don't know it's just uh, I think a lot of it also comes down to as far as guys go I can't speak for females but we all most of us say um you know, oh, like, you, I think you've said it before. You know, it's the closest thing I can get to being a wrestler without having to actually go and do wrestling school and put my body on the line. I mean, mm-hmm. you can just do it from home, and it's easy. So it, you kind of kind of get the experience a little bit, you know? But uh, I just don't think that's something that really, really applies to uh, to women and appeals to them. Let That or even, like, you know, watching an hour or two of it on YouTube. I mean, I don't think that's something... I've even explained to Miranda like some of like the more uh, successful, bigger things like FAM Unite or whatever They get like hundreds of thousands of views, and it's just like, okay, what's that? <laughs> you know, like so, it, it just you know, it's, it hits you differently. I've obviously at this point, I've become invested in it, so I you know, I find all kinds of interest in it. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's a very interesting thing. I hadn't really. I guess, put too much forward to thought into until, until you and Sean talked about it. I was like, this is actually really interesting, though, because I kind of want to know more about it, too, or at least hear other people's opinions on it.
0: Do you think there's a way that we can, like, convince them, hey, you're more than welcome to join <sighs> us? Because it, <sighs> this is this is not like the 90s where uh, video games was seen as a guy thing and
1: uh, stay out of our home. Oh, no. So, like, what what do you think is a possible to get more in? Gaming, gaming is universal. Uh, Gaming, even wrestling is kind, even even and even kind of uh, even like wrestling is kind of universal because I mean, like, we share the Xbox. Like, she's on, like, she plays Grand Theft Auto online just as much as I do anything else on the Xbox. Oh yeah, my girlfriend uh, and I are both gamers. So, and like I said, we're both wrestling fans. But I I don't know. Um, you know, there are like girls uh, who go to like events and. Cosplay, you know, as wrestlers, I would maybe think someone who's into something like that might see kind of a connection. But you know, where do we find these people at? How do you gauge a demographic like that and find a girl who is interested? You know, is it you know because even like uh, like there's a bunch of these call groups on Facebook that aren't really for call shows, but people like post their creations and stuff there, right. and it's still mostly guys. Oh. So you know, I'm like i don't know i think it's just like something that we may never really find an answer to it would be cool definitely if a bunch of like just just to see something different if a bunch of like girls were like hey this is something we're interested in that'd be neat it'd be like okay this is definitely something we haven't seen before but that the rate it's going i don't know that you know i will be around long enough to see it at least
0: yeah because I When I came in, there was like maybe a handful of girls that actually not just were watching the shows, but actually participating. And I think out of all of them, one participated for the long term. Like like, And I'm talking the long term in the sense that she was invested. She uh, had uh, character ideas. She was always trying to improve. And eventually she just like stop getting involved because she knew she was like well I don't want to be talking to a bunch of mannequins or just a bunch of uh no names that that don't cut promos or just fake characters because there's not enough women that want to get involved she tried to be a manager at one point uh and it just didn't it just wasn't for her, so she just basically said, "You know what? This ain't for me anymore." And it was just a shame to see that personally, because I, I think it would bring more variety to the table for these shows to have some girl promos. That that's always been something that I was always wondering how we can bring more of that in.
1: Yeah, definitely. I it's definitely something I think that w- would require um, a little bit of, like field study and. I know, like, you know, you could try to post around and maybe pose questions. Maybe if, if there's a, a friend that's a female that, you know, is kind of interested in wrestling or something, I guess you could, like, show them. Say, hey, my friends and I do something like this. You know, do you know anybody? Do you, Are you interested in this? Hmm. I mean, because essentially, originally, like, before I knew a bunch of people were interested in something, like, this is kind of how I just asked friends. And I'm like, so I'm doing this thing. I got a few friends involved. Are you guys interested? Most guys were like, oh, I'll give it a shot right you know is it like will will more females do it I, that's hard to say again it's just it has to really appeal to them in a way and uh, I don't know um, I do agree I think it would be something that would give it more variety definitely like I said I know I've seen a few shows that there are girls involved in not a ton still but you know you could definitely tell the difference between a guy using some kind of a voice modification thing to sound like a girl versus an actual female's voice right um and then you know, again, and this is like a maybe a hot topic for some people, but it's also you know nobody really wants to read. Well, I should say nobody. That's unfair. Some people don't want to read text on screen, and I'm I'm in that category of people. I would rather hear actual voiceover promos if I had the you know the option to do it. So, uh, a funny funny story though. Um, mm-hmm. Like early ECW, like I had a call from Miranda on the game at one point. And early, early UCW, um, that's actually like our first like Royal Rumble event back on 2K14. It was a long time ago. Um, Sam, my friend that was actually in my last band, that uh, was kind of the spark that created UCW. I created him and his girlfriend at the time, just on a whim. And uh, Miranda and his girlfriend's call at the time actually had like a women's title match on like our one day review. (laughs) So that happened. And then Miranda on 2K16, she tried to create a bunch of different calls and uh, I was going to use them. I used them on like one episode, I think of raw and it was kind of the mannequin thing though. I was like, you know, nobody's really going to waste these over. I don't think people are going to be interested in watching it. It was taking away from other storylines that I wanted to do. And at that point I just kind of backed away from it and I hadn't really revisited it.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, But like I said, it's, it's just something
1: to always think about, but I've, I've yeah, I mean, not. go ahead. You know, like, I mean, because, like, it's not saying that, like, uh, women can't tell, like, a compelling story or anything like that. Obviously, that's not the case at all. I mean, anybody can, you know, come up and tell a good promo and, uh, you know, be a decent character on screen. So, I mean, again, it would it would be different. You definitely get some different looks and uh, maybe some, you know, really interesting narrative out of it, at least.
0: Um. So... Just bringing up some recent stuff that that has been uh, interesting to me as of late. Um, I never really dived into this uh, recent stuff that's been going on, although I have been watching from afar. And I just wanted to know where all this stuff was stemming from from Max, who runs uh, XVPW, because I've had conversations with the guy, I've had nothing but pleasant conversations with him. Uh, He always came to me like as a decent person, but obviously he is not rubbing that same way with you guys because uh, there's been some recent controversies, but uh, what, what's the story on all this going on?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's kind of a funny story uh, because it's, it's strange because I too, for, for uh, gosh, it like two years now. Had had like really pleasant conversation with him. And um, a lot of this, I guess, recently goes back to the smoke room. And uh, he was a guest on there. And for some reason, I had this like notion just to listen to it. I don't know why. Something is that I should listen to this. Um, Obviously, I'm not the biggest advocate for Smokey, so I wouldn't otherwise go out of my way to listen to the smoke room. But my name got brought up very early on the smoke room. And at first, it was nothing. Um, it was just factual. He said, you know, um, you know, Ryan Paul Jones basically introduced me to a larger side of this community, which was true. I had discovered him on this group that I kind of help admin called uh, Call Central, WWE Call Central. And I was like, hey, the show's pretty cool, man. I haven't seen anything. This is different looking. Um, hey, maybe some more people who do this kind of stuff like we do. Introduced him to everybody. Things seemed like they were going well. Um, he would ask me questions often about, you know, different uh, ideas and things, you know, like everybody kind of bounces ideas off of each other. No big deal. Um, and this was around uh, late 2017, to early 2018, when I had, uh, I had been in the hospital and got out after I broke my leg. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so I was getting ready to put together um, our first, like, NXT TakeOver event, which... At the time, like our NXT thing like really kind of started gaining traction. I know Sean has said it before that um, when he was still doing PCW as part of AWF, he went to PCW to have the kind of uh, hype that ECW NXT had, which I thought like was to me was like a huge pat on the back. Like, I didn't realize, you know, I, I, I have a small town perspective, so I don't ever look like TW as like a top. Call brand. I, I you know I look at things all the time, number wise. I'm like, we have a lot of growing to do as a show, but people seem to constantly say decent things about it. Anyway, mm-hmm. so this takeover event was coming up. Um, we had like Ben Hopkins was debuting, um, Chronic debuted on that show for us. Uh, Matt Black had a big match. It was probably Matt and Walter. They had like a kind of a coming out party for both of their characters on that show. Um, the real story was Bobby Mitchell and Eric Silva, which ties into this. Um, Bobby Mitchell and Eric Silva got made on that show. Like they, they, they had, they were supposed, to, they came in under the radar. These guys weren't supposed to really at the beginning. Nobody thought they were going to go anywhere. They kind of started promoting on each other. When I was just have a tag team, and they started feuding. So I said, I'm going to run with this and give these guys an opportunity here. And uh, people like seem like they really liked this cage match they had. Well, not long before that, I had a, like a, this Skype video call thing with Max. He asked me a bunch of does I, not, I thought nothing of it i was like okay no no big deal um just you know any general stuff you won't pick your brain about whatever it's really cool of him. um after that stream we'll actually take the back during that stream he and a few other guys from Xvu you uh jumped into the chat and just talked about themselves and like kind of talked down to other people in character mind you it wasn't like they were just, like, being rude. Like, this, like, I could tell they were supposed to be doing it in character or something. And uh, I was like, okay, whatever. Well, I guess at one point, do, like, a, a thunderstorm came through, and I had a short power outage stream. I think it was during that match, that bobby Eric match. The stream went out and came back on. Well, like, the next day, maybe 48 hours later at most, I get a random message from Max. And the reason I bring this up is because it's resurfaced, and if anybody really wants to see it, it's on the uh, – XVPW, not page, but the account that he like uses, where he's basically his most his promotion from now. There is a XVPW reacts to takeover, and uh, he was like, "Oh, I don't think nothing of it. It's uh, it's just you know for fun or something." And I was like, "Okay," I click on it, and uh, these guys, um, the Ryan Z and uh, Rocky Patel, are like just dogging on this match the entire time like nitpicking every bit of the production of it, the uh, the pacing of it, making comments about the guy's attires and looks. And uh, I don't know. It was just odd because nobody's really done that before and done it as them trying to use it to leverage promotion for their show. So I was like, what's the gain here? Uh, so I don't know. Um, I told people about it. It disappeared off of YouTube for a long time. I was like, I, I don't really... No, again, like, why would you post it and then take it down? Again, it's on Facebook now. I imagine it's there to stay. Um. Anyway, so things things kind of went away. Um. Started talking to Max a little less. Didn't really, I would say, have bad blood with him. I just, you know, didn't really have a lot to say after that. And uh, Call Stars Ten came up. Now, what I was told after all of this was XVPW and ECW were supposed to have a match. To Call Stars Ten. But it never ended up happening because Max had gone on a hiatus with XBW and from what people assumed, he wasn't coming back, which he kind of uh, verifies this story a little bit on the smoke room by saying that there wasn't ever supposed to be a second season of XVW. So that's interesting as well. Um, anyway, so CallStars10, first time I actually had pushed Sean to stream it on Twitch. I said, you should try live streaming it. I think you'll get a good turnout. It did get a really good turnout a lot of people were really into it like this i think was like right before the whole vwu thing kind of became a big deal and there was what you would say our vwu guys who were there and everybody was kind of being along and it was really nice it was like this nice community vibe going on with everybody um xvw shows up again on the twitch chat and the same exact thing happens these guys start talking about themselves and I remember several people were just like, guys, knock it off. You know, this isn't the time to do this. Well, uh, shortly thereafter, Max jumps into this Discord voice chat with everybody and is like, hey, guys, what's up? Like, he had no idea what happened. Several people again are like, hey, man, that wasn't cool. And he's like, well, I have no control over what those guys do. So that kind of put a lot of other people off. And from then on, it seemed like that relationship really started to deteriorate with a bunch of different people. Oh. Nothing had really nothing had really been said since. Uh, this that was last summer. Then fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, the smoke room episode came out. <laughs> and as this I only made it like 21 minutes into the episode, honestly. I was at work, I listed part of my break. By the 21-minute mark, I had been completely dragged under the bus. I'll put it that way. <laughs> so,
0: hmm I, I, I listened to the smoke room, and I messaged Max myself personally, saying, dude, you came off so unlikable. You came off so unlikable. I get that you want to get the the product out there. You want XVPW to be noticed, but like when you talk the way that you're talking... It's only going to turn people away. It's only going to disgust people. Nobody's going to want to even, like, associate with you at that point. So I just basically gave him that opinion, and the only thing he can only come up with to me at the moment was we'll wait and see what happens. Because I am a part of one of their shows that's coming up. It's called the, The Extreme Rumble. Right, and, and and there's quite a
1: few. seen because you know, I, I don't make a point honestly. I, as far as XP like a, a knock on them, I there was a thing a little while back on the call shoot thing on Facebook where uh, everybody was doing these like live, these live video things, like a uh, live Q and A or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember Max asking me on there like, you know, what I thought about XPW. I, mean, I told him I said, you know, I think everything's great. I think you do a good job. Obviously, at the time, he was getting a lot of views on YouTube and stuff. I said, but honestly, to me, I think the comedy was a little overdone for my liking. That's not to say, like, I think the show sucks. I just, to me, I, I like a little bit more grounded storylines and believable characters and stuff, you know? Uh, no no, lie, no surprise here, I'm a big WWE fan. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so I don't know if that has something to do with it, too. It's hard to say, because none of this has ever really came up in a conversation, um, but I don't know, he said a lot of his feelings about other shows, well, primarily my show, COH, and then later AWF and Call All Stars, has been the main three shows that he seems to have some kind of a gripe about, you know, whether or not reasons you like a show or not, hey, that's all your opinion, I guess that's validated somewhere. Uh, another thing that seemed to came up, and I don't know if this has been brought up anywhere, uh, he wanted to do some kind of an invasion storyline with all of these shows. Came to me first, I told him it just doesn't fit into my show anywhere because I had other storylines and I couldn't take away from what I was doing. They didn't in an invasion angle. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to do it, I guess, also after that with CO8, and Travis said no. Uh, I guess later, at least found out recently, Sean said he wanted to do it with AWF, said no, and then somewhere around that time, too, it almost happened with CCL. Oh, my um, yeah, uh, Eddie was going to do it. It was going to have to do with uh, some of the GSF people that were going with uh, with with uh, CC all the time, like how Ray had, had like the outcasts show up and stuff. But uh, it was going to—they were going to get involved in the Doc versus Ray storyline. And people who were involved, like I know people who were like part of the Doctors Order, weren't really interested in it. And uh, Eddie backed off on it. So I don't know. Again, if it's like maybe he had an idea that he thought was a good idea and nobody really went for it and he was kind of soured by it. At the same time, a lot of this, it feels like it's meant to be some kind of tongue-in-cheek thing. I feel like it's supposed to be taken lightly, but it's the way that it's done and it's so unannounced and not planned that when people just start taking shots at you, it, it hits people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Because I've heard people say, I know Smokey has said it, some, I think i was call a shooter somewhere. He said it before where he looked at things like competitively. I know Max, I guess looks, at, by the way he talks, looks at things competitively because he kept bringing up like his subscribers versus my subscribers and all this. I don't look at it competitively. I really don't. Um, that's why I try to work with other people and that's why I think Call All Stars is a great thing. Not, you know, some, somebody might be like, oh, you're just friends with Sean. But no, I really, I think Call All Stars is a great way. Call All Stars 10 showed that people can work together you know, a lot of people praised Sahaya for the uh, match that he did. It was like Xander versus Zack Starr. Like, I had never really watched a match with either of those guys before. And that match was great. And people loved it. And uh, people talked about, like, Eddie Mack and uh, Mick McMichaels from Extreme Call Wrestling doing commentary together. And, and that's the kind of stuff I think that, to me, across the board, is, is an end goal for everybody, is people working together in a cooperative manner but when it comes to XvPw a lot of times it's like it's supposed to be some kind of faux ratings war and it's not really appealing like when when it's coming down to if I'm being blunt here what I would call like people just trying to measure dicks nobody what does that what does that do for anybody
0: well in this case no because we're not competing for the top spot we're we're basically a community that tries to work together. Not only that, we don't have exclusive talent. Uh, I mean, you'll probably have one or two guys here and there that's exclusive to that company. I would say at the moment, Stefan Guerrero is pretty much exclusive to COH. He doesn't work anywhere else that I know of. Right. And and I believe on the episode right before this one, because he was on before uh, this one, Uh, COH was the only company he's currently in at the moment, but suffice to say, um, when talking about uh, talent, most of the time, talent is working in multiple companies, whether it be one character working in all companies or one guy portraying as different characters in multiple companies, something that I usually do to kind of, you know, vary it up a bit. So I don't see how you can have a war because what if you have a company that has talent from that that that's in both companies like are you going to make
1: them choose sides at that point Yeah and and this is kind of like I know that that, that strikes me about it that's odd Okay like so we were talking about all this uh, a bunch of us on, on the ECW Discord server the other night and, you know, we started like, okay, one of the things that got brought up was uh, there was a number thrown out there, like, uh, as it was said by him, Max, like, these shows draw like 17 views, and that's like half of these 35 plus rosters, and, uh, you know, so me being like, uh, as I tell people openly, I'm like a statistic analytics nerd when it comes to this stuff, I always look at like the YouTube creator app on my phone, or after a Twitch Know, a stream, I look at my stream summary to see, you know, kind of where that I try to like kind of gauge myself and my own content going forward that way. Um, I always ask people for feedback anyway. I started looking at some of these numbers and stuff, and like Ultimate Glory 5, I know you and Travis talked about Old glory at least. Ultimate Glory 5 is like 1.1 thousand views, right? And right, right. I, so, like, it started to make me scratch my head, and I'm like, where is the this even coming from like I feel like at this point it was just trying to get some kind of a, a reaction you know um, I, this commercial apparently was recorded a long time ago but it just now got uploaded and it's, it mentions shows like directly and you know it says that they're better and so to me I look uh another like you know going back here another story like I've said this to many people Travis self COH was the first real show that I watched as far as call I found it on a whim. I actually found VCW that Scott Adams ran. COH was a commercial on VCW. VCW was kind of non-existent at that point. I watched the COH show instead. Um, I remember being awed by Ultimate Glory 4. Like, like, uh, your thing with Alex, the video package stuff you guys did for all of that. I was like, wow, I've never seen anything like this on the WWE Games thing before. Mm. Anyway, so me... It's been about, okay, they already get, you know, 1.1,000 1, 1, views on Ultimate Glory. I would like to get at least part of those views. So, you know, how do you appeal to that fan base, I guess you could say, or that group or whatever? Do you appeal to them by disrespecting them and telling them that that show that drew a 1,000 views was a waste of your time to watch it for those thousands of people that clicked on it and watched it? Or do you, you know, work with them, you know, pick people's brains, get to know those people and try to take something from it?
0: Well, yeah. And speaking of uh, COH, again, it's one place where not only that, COH has had a reputation for working with other companies and doing, you uh, duo shows you know like they, they'll, yeah. they'll do a show with let's say uh th- the first one that's coming to mind right now is the one that they did with ywf many years back back in like 2012 and to uh, share a very funny story uh because i think this was before yeah this would have been way before you got into the seal CO- the cause scene so I remember the main event was myself and Amir Punk, AM Punk. Cuz they wanted to do world champion versus world champion. And I don't know whose idea it was, but they decided to put both of our belts on the line. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, so who's am I going over? No. Okay, so he's going over. No. All right. So how is this match going to end? Oh, we're going to have a double DQ. Okay, and is this going to main event? Yes. Why? Why are you going to end the show on a double fuck finish with both titles on the line? That's just cheap shotting shit. It, 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 There was no real reason to have it other than that. But it was just an interesting story to say the least. And of course, it, from what I understand, it actually had a lot of views, that show. So maybe I, I was missing something there, but I personally would not end the show on a fuck finish like that. But, uh, yeah, going back to COH, yeah, they've always had a reputation with working with people. And I think it's helped them in the long run because it's helped them be able to develop re- relations with other companies such as CCL, you uh, guys, ECW, uh, AWF, and et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's helped them tremendously because now they've got a good rapport with many people, and I think Travis has done pretty much a good job of of building a brand, so to speak, with his uh, his company.
1: Yeah, there was definitely like a point for me uh, around I guess 2016, roughly, where uh, where I guess my focus on like what I wanted to, uh, with shows and where I wanted to fit into it all like really shifted. Like, uh, right after, like, I had been on, like, the Sean Walsh show, like, the first time, I know Sean hit me with this question, like, have you ever thought about joining COH? At the time, like, I hadn't really thought about doing it. I was going to. uh, I don't know if this was ever disclosed, but I actually was going to come onto the show, but I'm on Xbox, Travis was on PlayStation, and there was no real way for me to get my call made, and so I just kind of backed off on it, and I was like, eh, no big deal. But at that time, I decided, you know, I'm just going to like booking and editing my own show and stuff too. And like in my mind, I had made this list of COH people that I wanted in ECW, which uh, as I've told a lot of people recently in this conversation that I've checked pretty much everybody off that list. I think AJ Young was one of the last people that I absolutely wanted. And I didn't think I would get AJ Young, but it said a lot to me that AJ came to me and wanted to be a part of ECW Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I feel like I've done something right. Um, But what's been nicer is since I've kind of become interconnected with different people, I've introduced some new people and whatnot. I feel like it's this kind of like symbiotic thing has happened where I got the people that I wanted, which has really been cool. But I've been able to take people that I recently brought in or that I've had a while and send them to, well, I shouldn't say send them because they're going on their own accord, but they're in AWF now. They're in DZW. They're in COH. You know, um, I know Adam had asked me the other day. I don't know if they're going to be on the show or not, but he asked me the other day, they're not even a part of ECW, but I know them, um, about getting Cody Hell in New Dom Pro. And I was like, Cody, uh, as a member of the ECW Discord server, like, just send them a message. You know, so I, I hope that that worked out for him because he was really excited about the prospect of it. But uh, I mean, COH, uh, this no seeker has gone through ups and downs with like their roster capacity, and it's been a thing that Travis gets a lot of criticism for. It's nice to see you know like Bobby Mitchell or Eric Silva, um, Walter Scott, Lewis Rivers, Aether, you know, whoever go to Coh and kind of fill those gaps, make the show a little bit stronger.
0: Oh yeah. I, I think Travis's only uh, flaw is that his communication could be lackluster at times, because uh, obviously it has led to some uh, problems between him and certain roster members. Obviously, uh, he will have a situation where uh, e- even myself there there'll be communication issues. Like the basic the biggest example to me was um, it was. It was billed as one of the biggest Battleground main events. It was myself versus uh, Nate. And it was a tournament for the uh, COH Global Championship, the new title for Battleground. And Travis didn't really make it clear that he was putting Nate over. And the the finals, from what I understood, was either going to be between uh, Nate and Goonie or myself and, uh, Adam Jackpot or Kenyon Phoenix as he's known in, uh, COH. Um, but suffice to say, uh, where was I going? Uh, so it, he made it seem like he was, uh, going to go one way, but he actually went the other way. And it was kind of like, why didn't you tell me this beforehand or make it a little bit more clear? Because the communication sometimes, like I said, can be a little bit lux. Uh, and, and I don't know if you were watching Durham when I was coming back uh, to face Daniel Mars when I made my comeback at Honorversary. Yeah, um,
1: yeah I, I mean, like, for, like I, said, I, I tried to watch it in, like, 2014, somewhere in there when I started following it, which was, like, late, probably towards, like, the fall of 2014, um, back then I didn't have internet at home so I'd used a lot of phone data to watch while I was at work and stuff. Um, but I would say from like probably 2016, late 2016 definitely 2017 till now, I, I try to watch it very consistently. So I remember the tournament when the new uh, global championship was debuted. I remember all of that. Um, I remember you and Daniel Mars thing because you I mean you may, or may not remember like around that time, um, is when Doc brought me in to eventually be his replacement on commentary. Yes. So, like, I commentated a lot of the stuff with the Daniel Mars stuff. The later part of it, I should say. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and uh, I mean, let me finish this point, and then uh, yeah, I want ahead. to ask you this question. So, basically, I had made a bunch of, bunch of videos for that return that, and I told them the order that they would show up, and they would show up once every episode. And... He kind of screwed that up too. He kind of screwed up the order of them and and repeated some of them. It was just a little bit weird. But now that we talk about um, Daniel Mars, um, I remember seeing a comment from you saying that you were not a fan of Daniel Mars as far as a talent is concerned. I'm not sure if you if you were also talking about the individual. Uh, what was your issue with the
1: talent aspect of Daniel Mars? Uh, yeah, definitely not the the person. Um, I mean, I know like uh, Daniel's rub or David has rubbed some people the wrong way. I never really had a conversation with him personally, so I have no basis to judge him as a person. Um, the the character, uh, there was a moment definitely in the working with like your character and accuracy and in eradication. I thought the character was going to like peak. Like I don't know, you, I think you Travis had definitely talked about this. But, like you were like really kind of invested. In it. Um, up and down until that point. I don't know. I don't think the character really had a lot of legs to stand on. I remember the like the model, the pop model thing, like way back. You know, when you feud with Scott Adams and stuff, but. It was nothing real crazy then. Um, what really kind of put me off was uh, after the first CWI, um, he cut like a shoot promo on Battleground. Oh, yeah. In the, in, in the middle of your feud. And this, if I remember, this was like maybe if not the go-home. It was like very close. It to was the go-home. Point, so. And I remember doing the commentary, I think with Doc, and – He's like name dropping Sean Walsh, like by name, out of character. It seems like and stuff, and it just to me it really hurt the storyline that you guys had going on between you and him. And I think maybe in that promo, were you both in the ring? It was like he was talking to you I when like he you guys had a face to face. When said he that.
0: said that promo, like with that part of it, I wasn't in the ring yet. I didn't come okay. to the ring till after the
1: promo. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, this is a. Uh, it's a. Uh, continuity thing i guess is what i'm trying to get at here um it just to me it it really it really damaged what that character was supposed to be and what like where were we supposed to how we supposed to feel about him going into ultimate glory now so i don't know it just it didn't need to happen i guess you could criticize travis to say he shouldn't have aired it or he could have edited it or or whatever hindsight's 2020 but as far as that character goes it, it derailed for me at that point.
0: What's funny to me is that he, he t- showed me that promo before it aired, and I even said to him, I don't think it's a good idea that you go that route, because yeah. I knew he was going to ruffle some feathers, and I guess he was a perfectly okay with ruffling some feathers, However, I just didn't feel like it was going to ruffle feathers in the right way. Like, nobody was going to come to his aid or, or defend him or anything like that. Right.
1: Well, and this is the thing, okay, because uh, I was to talk about, like, the whole Sonny Star Wars spoiler gag and, and and stuff like this. Like, see, I don't agree with, like, the spoiler thing. I, I was listening to that conversation, and I was like, you no, know, I believe it was, like, Gregory Iron was the indie wrestler who did it, but an indie wrestler had done that live in a wrestling show where he... For heel, he spoiled Star Wars. Um, okay, that's one thing. You're you're an actual professional wrestler in front of a live audience, doing that for a, to elicit a heel reaction from a live audience. Call and this is goes back to the XVW thing. Call to me. It's not a live audience. You're not doing it to get jeers and boos from a, a, a bunch of people watching in a live venue. Most everybody, like I said about the whole COH thing, it most of your of viewers are peers. You're getting a lot of peer people who are on other shows, who maybe want to be on a show, whatever it may be. You you know a lot of the people who leave comments are people who you know. So as a character, why would you cut a promo to you know get quote unquote heat by you know, I don't know, I guess burying these people or attacking them or whatever you think you're doing. Like, there's no storyline about Daniel Mars versus the CWI or Daniel Mars versus John Walsh or call stars or whatever the target of that promo was.
0: I think he the only reason he mentioned it was because I ranked at like number thirteen. This was his point of contention. he said it was because I ranked at number thirteen while he ranked at uh, like literally just scratching the surface at a hundred. Even though I was gone for a good port like the first half of the year, while he was basically the leader of the eradication type of deal. That was I guess the point. Not that I agree with it anymore. I still don't think he should have cut the promo, regardless.
1: I I, I can say this much because I know because I was in the conversation part of this that he almost didn't make the list. So I mean if he wanted something to be upset about, I guess he has that at the same time as we saw with the cwi list this last time um jc wolf made a big stink out of it <laughs> um you know? yeah, right um you know I, I think people getting attached to this number on the list is a little far gone um really to me i, I think as I, always, I look at people who have made it higher on the list in a year's time who we should be looking at those people and saying, hey, congratulations, you know, you're a character and there's all this fictional thing of stuff that we do and you guys are doing good things. And it tells us that as us booking, we also booked you in a good way. Now, again, the the communication that you brought up, I character ended up in that, or, you know, you almost said, make the list. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's more to the story than you're not seeing. It's not just that somebody puts you at 100 because they dislike you. Right, right, right. And and again,
0: I don't know what people's consensus are with Daniel Mars, like I
1: said. I, I, I I've I've heard from afar lots of different things. I've never worked with him on a show. I, I don't never spoken to him personally. I, I I don't know. I can't say anything myself other than what people say. And that's not me that would be fair for me to judge him because of what somebody else said. Right. And he came on the show. He was he was on the third edition. His season. was one that I, I didn't listen to. So, again, like I have really no basis to go off of. I was, like I said, I was kind of listening to the ones that interested me, and that one I just skipped over, honestly. He
0: basically talked about clicks and said that there are clicks in PAW mm-hmm. and talked about that. And I'm sure he had a point, but he just presented it in a really bizarre fashion. I
1: didn't understand because it's like, been, it's been something I guess, has, I guess been brought up off and on, but it, to me it seemed always seems like a cop out when, when somebody I guess didn't get something that they wanted out of it. You know, Oh, you know, you, you put your friends in that position instead. I, I don't know. I,
0: right. I, I don't know. Cause like I, it, it, there is that argument that there are clicks. Um, Is it one of those things that they're going to stick out for their people or the people that are within the clique? I don't know. I just know that everybody has a different group of friends. There are people in this community like, okay, I don't really know Aether all that well. Mm -hmm. I don't have any bad or good opinions to say about the guy. I don't know him. Um, I think he's a good talent as far as talent wise, but I can't say for certain if he's a bad person or a good person or what have you. Um, do I think that, uh, he's part of any clique? I couldn't say for certain cause I don't associate with him all that well, but to, to, to Daniel Mars's point, he believes that like. He, he said that the clique that he was referring to was myself, Stu, who was St. LaFontaine, Alex, and Travis. Like, that was the best example he could come up with. And I couldn't even remember a time where all four of us were in the same room together. That's right. And,
1: and, and, and- if you're correlating this to like somebody getting some like prime booking or something on a show, that uh, uh, has to be at some point what it comes back to. Whether that's like the main focus of a, a statement like that or not, um, to my knowledge, from when I watched COH, Zane Lafontaine wasn't that big of a star. Now, I mean he was associated with COH as a big name. You know, he had like the thing with Patriot, I think Ultimate Glory Four, but he didn't win. Um, he got taken out by Ray Geddes later and raised kind of debut. Um, he ended up putting over Levi at some point and then, you know, being wiped off the grid again. You know, I mean, he, he was never like the guy, you know, I guess he was supposed to be, but it never really came to fruition the way that people expected it to. So if it was just like, oh, well, Travis put his friend over, he would have like been COH champion and without real reason or rhyme.
0: Mm hmm. And, I, and the one other point was, I asked him, if I was just an average promo, do you think Travis would have still pushed me to the level that he has? And he said, I would have been mid-card at best. And I didn't get that either. I was just like, okay. So, in other words, he was going to treat me like he would any other person then.
1: Yeah. Like, like I said, I don't know. I don't know how... Them with your program with them so maybe you can lend some insight to that but for me personally there's lots of guys in UCW alone who's come and gone there's people who were good friends of mine who came and gone um, some of them have come back recently mm-hmm. but communication as far as that kind of stuff goes to me is like very key number one like top of the list things for if I'm going to like invest and in write the story for your character and do a lot of editing on your matches and stuff like Guys who, to me, look like they're just here, maybe their friend invited them, and they're not, to me, I don't think they're actually watching the show. I mean, I can't blame somebody if they're busy. We talked about this at the beginning of all this. Like, if you're busy, maybe you work two jobs. I don't know. Maybe you have a very busy family life or whatever, school. It could be a lot of things. Um, so this isn't a priority. Obviously, your life is priority. But you said you were interested in this when you joined. If you don't show that interest, if I message you and I'm like, hey, man, you got to do something for it and you never message me back. And you're le- I'm left on red. I'm not going to put a title on you <laughs> at the end of the day. Right. There's no there's no communication. There's no I've, I've in my very early not knowing what the hell I was doing booking days. I, I did. And then random champion guy quits the show. And deactivates his Facebook for no reason without telling anybody, and now I have a guy who's just a character holding a belt.
0: Oh yeah, that that was one of the biggest criticisms of uh, Levi McIntyre and uh, Austin Reed when they won the tag titles. They just became mutes at that point.
1: Yeah, and speaking of and speaking of Levi McIntyre, because I know I brought up uh, where you were on his show with, like the Wonder Bros. Yeah. Um, I actually, he asked me to be a part of that show that ICW is called. Yeah, um, he asked me to be a part of it, and I said I got to join on a condition. Speaking of communication between talent and Booker, because I was talent at this point, this was around the time where I had decided like my, my role on shows was going to be going forward. Um, I, I and then you see it like in GSF or like DZW, but like RPJ on other shows has been managers. I don't want to be booked and I don't want to win titles and whatnot. I had told Levi that I would come in and bring in my uh, the call for my son, Reed, that I feature like on ECW and storylines and stuff. This is like one of the few shows I think like Reed and uh, his tag team partner were on PCW for a little while too. Um, but I was like, bring Reed in and have me manage him. Well that never happened on ICW. I ended up uh, just being basically me as RPJ being like a job or Right. So, I and I, don't, I never understood that because like I even like cut a promo for him for this one match one time that never made it to the program, and uh, I thought at the time it was a decent promo. I mean, I don't cut a ton of promos because, like I said, I'm not really a talent. But I was like, okay, and uh, it just there was no real communication there. So, Why
0: are you never a talent? Uh,
1: I just I I read I readjusted the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. um like i said this is i i was gonna i really wanted to be in coh's capacity and then i stepped back and i've kind of looked at it now like i prefer to kind of help other people build themselves up uh, whether it's them as a talent or whether it's uh somebody's got another show and you know trade ideas with them to give their show some, a different look and perspective it's allowed me to not have to have that extra layer of uh I guess, dedication to where like now I have to owe people promos all the time and I can watch shows kind of leisurely and still give my feedback on the show without, you know, really being, it lowers my accountability. Oh,
0: so, so mostly you don't want to be that guy that slacks.
1: Yeah. Cause you know, cause I mean, I am a quote show owner and, oh, well, if this guy doesn't does it pull his weight, you know, now I can, I can still contribute. And also to me, it shows to people that like, you know, I don't have to be invested in AWF, but I choose to be invested in AWF. So if I can be invested in it and you're on that show, then you can be invested in it too. Right. So it's kind of pulls me back and lets me take a step back from everything. Um, Ray wanted me to be a talent on GSF and I was like, nope, I will be a manager's heavy managed somebody. And uh, it's just it's it's easy for me. I like it. I I think it's because I said I've been a fan of COH for so long, like as just a fan, that like it was kind of an honor for me to get asked to do the commentary for it. I like doing commentary. That's become my other thing that I'm actually quite passionate about with Call. I love doing commentary now.
0: Mm-hmm. So now the one thing that I, I I would say is that you have a company that's named pretty much after. Actual promotion, ECW, obviously different initials. But <laughs> right. What's What's the deal? Why the similarity in not just ECW, but you got Raw, NXT, <laughs> and SmackDown.
1: It, okay, it, it's this is like this is a common question, and there's kind of answer for it, and okay. it's just it, it, oh, with time. I'll start listening saying this: with time. Some of the uh, CPV type events, I'm kind of deviating from the expected names. Uh, as this season progresses, you'll see some, some varied names. Still references to things that you would recognize, but I've tried to mix it up a little bit. Um, okay, so ECW, before people know the ECW that like it is today, I had, I said, I have always, always, always played wrestling games. Like, no joke, I have, this makes me sound really old. I am old. <laughs> Um, my first wrestling video game experience was WrestleMania Challenge on NES. Um, I've played most all the games on PlayStation 1, Nintendo 64, whatever, growing up. I remember like when Create a Wrestler was introduced on the games. So on ECW, um character on the show, the judge, is actually my real-life cousin I grew up with. We grew up as wrestling fans. We used to run our mock companies, similar to like what you would see in Call. We didn't post them anywhere, but we just kind of like would trade car wrestlers on our shows and we had little storylines and stuff. Hmm. Anyway, uh, we, we got older and uh, WWE 13 was the game. Um, I was just doing universe modes at this point. Like, I think it was around 2010 or 2011 was when I introduced the universe mode loosely. And I liked it. I liked that you could set up these calendars and events and belts and do whatever you wanted, really. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like the GM, the GM mode, but it was less confined, and I loved it. I was like, "This is so cool!" So, like, I'd make some friends occasionally on there. WW13. Um, I was just making my show. I had the game. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I was living at El Dorado at the time, where I live now. And uh, I was like, "What can I do?" You know, oh, the ECW logo in the game. I was like, I'll just name my universe El Dorado Championship Wrestling. And I didn't, you know, I wasn't doing anything serious. So I just slapped it with like the shows that were already on the universe mode game, uh, raw, I think maybe NXT had like a logo in the game, but it wasn't like, a big part of WWE at the time. So you could use the NXT logos. I, so I, just ran, I just ran with it, you know? And, uh, like I said, like after that, UK 14 is when ECW actually happened and it just, started catching traction after that. And now all of this is just kind of stuck. And I have fleeting thoughts. I've had this fleeting thought for over a year or maybe close to a year and a half now about what if I just scrapped everything and started over and actually came up with some original name for all of it. And part of me is like, yeah, that that would work. But uh, like Sean Walsh echoed this to me the other day that like the Eldorado championship wrestling name people recognize now. Oh yeah. And and I'm like, so if I start completely over, like people might still recognize me, but I don't know that it will, you know, I'll be rebuilding everything that it has up to this point. And yeah, I'll still have all the same people on the show and whatnot. But uh, it just, to me, I'm like, I'm torn. I don't know if I should. Cause like just the other night, like Scott Adams, he's many good times to me why don't you just change Raw to, like, War or something where it's not Raw? And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's just, it's all of this has just clicked now. And I'm like, it, to me, it's it's a it's just a kind of back and forth thing for me. So, I don't know. It definitely, it always comes up on my mind. More people ask it, you know, all the time, it seems like. Now, I know that was one of, uh, one of Max's criticisms was that, oh, it's just so common. You know, uh, you know and, and I'll be completely honest, too, another thing that came up, a while back when i got into this community i didn't know that there was an already very successful extreme call wrestling if i knew that then i probably would have never done it (laughs) like because i remember that immediately there was these comparisons to ecw extreme call wrestling and they had like five thousand subscribers on youtube or something holy shit (laughs) and they're still going like like the the um the misfits just won the the Call All Stars Championship or Tag Team Championships. Spoiler if you, let to see. World yeah, Tour. I saw that. But, you know, they just want, I mean, obviously it's thing. Like I said, um, Mick did commentary at the last Call All Stars. There's a big thing with CCL coming up again this Call All Stars. But it's cool. I mean, I don't look at that as competition. Um, it's just, it was ironic to me when I realized, like, oh, wow. So it kind of looks like if I'm ripping anything off, I might be ripping that off unintentionally. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely didn't mean to which is largely why I try to stay as far away from the stream anywhere in verbiage of my show. Yeah. um,
0: It's an interesting thought, because like I said, I just didn't understand it at the time, but
1: I figured there's, there is, and there's nothing really to understand. Gotcha. Because like, um, like part of the reason why we're dropping the SmackDown thing in lieu of this velocity brand starting up, is that our SmackDown show has just been confusing the people? It's not an actual brand where there's actual a, a roster for SmackDown, and I, every time I try to explain it, it just confuses people. So I'm like, okay, we just gotta do away with that for something that people can recognize. Mm-hmm. So and, and our Velocity brand, despite still kind of being dubbed again after WWF Velocity, it's kind of a little bit more of a, a unique thing to it. So I think it'll go over pretty decent. Hopefully.
0: Now, were you the one, or was it Sean, that basically came up with the idea of me and AJ Hogs from Call of Stars 9?
1: I want to say it was Sean and maybe Travis. Um, at one point, I feel like I was supposed to record the match, but I don't know if that was around the time that I had got injured or before... That or I can't remember exactly when. Sometime around all that, though, I know there was a reason that I ended up being unable to, because he was going to ask me to record that match. Mm. I honestly, some people might find this shocking. I don't really have a lot of say in Call All-Stars. I do what I'm told when it comes to Call All-Stars.
0: Yeah, I was <laughs> like, shocked to see
1: when I talked to Sean that he yeah, actually does everything. Yeah, Sean does a lot. And, and I don't think a lot of people understand that, that he... How much he does, he puts awf like pretty much on a hiatus and standby. So, call all stars gets done. He yeah. tries to get like everything he can do done up to a certain point. It's kind of like a mid season break or something. Because when he comes back, he usually completes the latter part of the season for awf and he takes breaks, like he'll take a break after call all stars because he's done so much work. And I'm like, again, I can imagine that's a lot of stuff, and that's why I'm just like, and my coming into it, I'm like, I just want to help mode it. And help, you know, get the word out. But as far as that match goes, no, I was just told that, uh I think it was, they had the people in the match already picked. It was like, you know, inaccuracy and I think AJ Hawks. And I don't remember it was like me and uh Andrew or, um, oh, I can't think it was Jared Extreme. It's his commentator name. Uh, we did the commentary for it. I think Travis ended up recording it. I could tell yes. in recording that he wasn't real familiar with AJ's moveset. Mm. It's been a little... Uh, like, I know, like, a couple of ECW guys, not too many, even, like, Matt being one of them was a little critical on it, but uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, I think Travis was real familiar with AJ Hawks at the time, was wasn't he a good? bad match, though. I liked it, I thought, you know, it wasn't supposed to be a big marquee match on the show, so it didn't need to have a lot.
0: Well, that was what it was, because Travis was told, don't. It's, it's a mid-card match, so you don't need to go balls-to-the-wall heavy on it. Because so, when I watched it, the first criticism I had was I made AJ look like a, a geek. And I, I'm i not for making my opponent look like an idiot, because I don't benefit from that, and neither does he. There's no need to make the other guy look like a complete tool. Uh, so, And that was mainly my criticism with um, my match with Sean O'Connor at... Right. Conspiracy. I felt like I made him look like a complete and utter tool. Like I, I, I wouldn't have minded giving Sean O'Connor some shine. Let him beat me up uh, at some point point. let him do a big spot on me. Instead, there was two only really two spots that weren't all that great. And I'm the one that did both of them. I just felt like I'm not greedy. Like I'd, I'd want to give a little bit. So that way, when Sean goes off and does his other thing, he still gets something out of it, and people will still take him seriously because, hey, he hung with me and and was able to do this that and the other. You know the whole deal. So
1: yeah, and like and like I want to say if I were in conversation that like I think
0: I uh, cutting off here. He I don't know about the connection.
1: Go ahead. I'm sorry. You you were cutting oh, off. Was it cutting out? Yeah. Okay. No, my bad, my bad. Um yeah, I don't know. I remember the conversation it got brought up about who was gonna go over. And uh I said that you should go over. You're more you're more known anyway. You know, obviously Anthony he doesn't care if he wins or loses in this stuff. Um, and at that point I decided that we were gonna eventually, which yeah, take a long time to get to, but we were almost there get to this return match between you and him on ECW. So I was like, Yeah, I'll give him his win back at some point. Um but, you know, I, I felt like, you know, you should go over. It. But, yeah, it, at a point kind of felt, I guess, a little one-sided. Not too bad. I felt like he tried to balance it as much as he could. But, yeah, again, hindsight's 20 with anything.
0: Oh, yeah. It is what it is. But um, I, I I was glad to see that because now I've gotten to work with A.J. Hawks a little bit more extensively and hopefully get a little bit more familiar with him as this feud continues, because, you know... Yeah, this- I mean,
1: I, I have, like, the next match without spoiling things and delving into it too far. I don't know that I've actually told you this, like, outside of it, so maybe I should catch you up on it. I'm trying to get people caught up on things again as I'm putting stuff together. Um, the next match is definitely, I think, going to be what people expected the Call Stars match to be. I have, like, a you know special stipulation some spots I've like looked up and stuff that I want to kind of put into it. Mm. And I just want it to be, you know, it's kind of already been built up to this point through ECW where a lot's going to happen between these two guys. I think on commentary, uh, Sean or Philip Ontario, made this comment like um, all these two crazy men. (laughs) So it kind of, you know, when people have this like this big match where everybody really gets into it. I like it. You said this, I think, in one of the conversations on here that, you know, you're the heel. Which is when um, we talked about it when you came in. I was like, "Yeah, heel." AJ is kind of a heel, and while I do try to stay too kind of away from heel versus heel, I don't think he's totally the heel in this to an extent because it's a home turf thing for him. So people are here for him.
0: Yeah, in a way, um, and that's definitely the way to look at it. But uh, I guess the other thing is, is who's the more deplorable of the two, and. Uh, right now, it doesn't seem like A.J. Hawks is that deplorable of a
1: person. He seems to just be crazy at the moment, but not yeah, I mean, he, he uh, I mean, like I said, he, in ECW as a character, he's done some pretty deplorable things. But, you know, you come in as this invader, again, on his home front, you know, and just continue to take these shots at him and, and cut him down, take opportunities from him, cut him off. It makes you come off as almost like this uh, evil genius supervillain. So that's kind of the idea, like a little inside look, I guess, like how I look at it is I like this idea that inaccuracy seems to be a step ahead of them.
0: Well, for now, until the story plays out, which everybody's got to wait and see. So, got to do that. Um, So, going back to. the talent thing, so it's it's mostly your son that you use as the
1: talent, pretty much. And you're that was kind of like that was kind of definitely. I was going to try to push it a little bit more. I don't know that it really caught on. So uh, you know, I thought it was just an interesting story character kind of look, is like because you don't see like you know second generation calls. You know, occasionally you might have like two guys that are like brothers or. You know, whatever, you know, but you don't really see like, oh, this guy has had a son and his son's the wrestler, you know, a like second, third generation, huge. Shot. So I thought like, okay, it's kind of interesting, you know, getting back before actual ECW, um, there was a point where like I had, you know, when we were planning um, being parents, like I made a, you know, before we chose the name Reed, I had made like a call or two of these like two guys that were supposed to be like my son's. And it was just, like, just kind of messing around with the idea notion of it. And then, I mean, it's just caught, you know, it's kind of something that i just kind of ran with now. It's, like, I interestingly, and I won't spoil, like, when or where, like, in my mind, although it's not on paper, I know as far as, like, an ECW RPJ has wrestled a few matches here and there. I have, in my mind, like, an end point where I completely end and retire the RPJ character from entering everything in ECW. And it's a part of an ongoing story that's going to kind of unfold over time. Hopefully I get there before I decide to call this a day. Um, I'd like to. And I, to me, it's kind of a closure on that whole concept to me. But uh, this was kind of a way that where I could like a character that's not, I mean, I guess it's still my character, but it's not RPG, getting all these accolades and, you know, having to hold all these belts and stuff.
0: Right. Well, again... It, it is interesting, and I can uh, definitely give you pointers on definitely going more original with that because I don't think, it, like you said, anybody is doing that sort of thing at the moment because I, I think the only other person that's going to have that opportunity is Scott Adams because obviously he's
1: got one on the way. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, should he choose to, yeah, I mean, the option would be there. I don't know, I said, I, I, I like. I try to look at, I guess it's because in a way that, that again, like the ECW acronym and, and the names that I've chosen for my brands isn't original, you know, obviously another sound criticism if people want to go that route. So I try to like differentiate everything else that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, it, I guess, and Chronic verified this me the other day that he wanted it to only be an ECW thing. I tried to jump on Chronic versus Ben Hopkins because I saw them like doing this like kind of tongue in cheek feud thing over Facebook where like Chronic was like just like, you know, basically posting on his timeline, like, fuck you, Ben. He started the whole we won the war thing and all of this. Like, it, it turned into this big hilarious back and forth between them. And uh, I was like, I want that, but as a storyline in ECW, I guess it kind of became them feuding like the CWO and a couple other places too. But to me, It was like shortly hereafter, you know, Ben's blowing up. Ben's like everywhere now, and he's great. So um, obviously, nothing wrong with that. Chronic got a huge push, one of my titles after that. I didn't want to bring Ben and Chronic in and immediately put them in a title main event spot. Mm. So what I do? I bring them in and make them feud with each other in kind of you know a fun way that's unique to ECW. Ben, being cool as he is, another and Chronic too actually they both came in and told me that they wanted to be an NXT to work with new people. So.
0: So how, what's the goal with ECW? Like what is the overall um, picture you're trying to give everybody when it comes to Eldorado championship wrestling? Like what kind of product are you trying to, to deliver to everybody?
1: I, as far as like wrestling goes, I have just tried to, like, capture the things that I like about wrestling. And, you know, I try not to make it, like, too too hard to digest. I try to keep kind of casual-minded fans in mind. And, you know, call, and I guess you could say the hardcore fans, too. try sort to of find, like, a middle ground. Like, I feel like people coming in, this is another reason why I've kind of stuck to, like, the known names for brands and stuff. I feel like if you've never been on a call show before but you're interested, maybe you found it on YouTube or a friend told you about it, you know, you should be able to come in and there's no real learning curve here. So that's, that's one thing. I try to make it very digestible for people. Um, you just kind of pick it up and go. And if, if you like it, good, perfect. I've done my job. Uh, secondly, um, I'm going to get off topic here a little bit. Um, sure. But like, I like, I like the fact that uh, I've been able to establish new people that people haven't heard of before that's become like a longer running goal. Again, with me removing myself from the focus and putting it on other people. But yeah, as far as like, I guess as you call the product itself, I just try to take things that I see, whether it's like, you know, obviously we can sit here all day and criticize current WWE product, but there are good things in the product too. There's still good feel good stories. There's good heels that help, you know, build a good baby face in that story. I try to take those things and I don't try to like copy exactly what I see, but I try to take ideas. You know, I think the the basic heel versus face narrative, um, when you strip it down, it's very easy to uh, say, all right, this is my this is my guy that I want everybody to cheer, and this is my guy that I want everybody to boo. And you know who you guys are, mm-hmm. and then it's just me applying them in some kind of a wrestling story that makes sense. Sometimes it's more simplified than others. Um, I know a lot of guys come in and pitch these big, illustrious ideas for their guys. It has to connect with people, first of all. You know, why do people not like your character? What about you do people not like? What can we make people not like? And uh, that's it. That's just really where it comes from, just finding little things, nuances, and stuff that we can use and then magnifying them over time. So, uh, again, the show in the last... Two years, two and a half years. I don't know. Somewhere in that timeline, maybe three. If I've gotten really lucky, it seems like it gets a little bit better. and It gets a little bit more attention. So I feel like something's kind of being done right there. Do you feel that uh, you have reached the full potential for ECW? I don't think so. I honestly, and I mean, it kind of goes back uh, to like me saying, you know, there was a comment made that that the whole Max thing that he was looking at COH, AWF, and three biggest shows. I removed myself from that whole conversation because I uh, I like to, I look at things on YouTube and Twitch and whatnot, yeah, Facebook or whatever. And and, and I, I just feel like there's a ton, a ton more people that could be watching this. Maybe they won't ever come to it. It's hard for me to say. I mean I'm definitely, you know, trying to put more time and effort into um, making it. You know enjoyable for people and try to find new people to watch it and stuff whatever but definitely no it's not full potential um we talked about this the other night with a few different people ecw i mean i can be completely transparent honest here one of our highest viewed shows and you know somebody might laugh at this and like throw it at me that's fine um is like around 289 views right And and 200, 250 has been, like, a pretty consistent average for, like, the highest view type stuff recently. Now, some of those shows, they've had a ton of likes and good comments on them, which is great. I think that's something to gauge it off of. But nothing has hit 400, 500, 7, 8, 9, 1,000 yet. And, I don't know, Sean said for a while, like, a show hitting 1,000 was, like, a long-term goal for AWF. I don't know how I would take a show hitting 1,000 views. It would be a huge success, but it's not there yet, and it tells me that I can still do better. So you're
0: talking more amongst the views rather than your presentation of the show.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's there's, it's, there's a lot to it. I mean, presentation-wise, it's at a point to where uh, it's definitely at a, the best place it's been, but I still see where like, you know, I watch back. I'm editing it. And uh, as I'm doing commentary, everything I do, I'm making my own, you know, points in my mind. Like, okay, I probably could have done this better. I probably could have done this better, you know? And actually, I think when you're talking to Ray, like, I know you had some pretty sound criticisms for the show yourself. Yeah. I feel like there's too many big spots. Right. I mean, I try not to, I, I try not to depending on the show itself. Yeah. Um, as I say, not every show has, you know, big extravagant spots, but some, some more than others, you know, they definitely, I mean, you're not wrong, but, uh, yeah, as I say, as far as like the presentation goes, it's definitely the best it's been. Um, like the money in the bank show, particularly I posted this on our discord server somewhere. Um, that like I had actually, what I do for a lot of stuff now is I write it out on paper. Like, I wrote basically a script for that show, like, for the matches. Like, a lot of the big spots on that were planned ahead of time. No surprise. And uh, those things... They, when I when I started recording them and then editing them, I gasped because I was like, it's actually turned out exactly the way that I wanted them to. And then people reacted to them live on Twitch the way that I wanted them to. And to me, that was the payoff. I was like, okay, people actually bought into what I put on this game. And, you know, that's wrestling for us. You know, we all went along... People were like, "Oh, is Kofi Kingston gonna win?" Kofi Kingston won. We all bought into it and loved it. You know that that that's a good. You know, people weren't like booing and walking out of the fucking venue when Kofi wins. <laughs> so uh, that's that's good. That's I don't know. The, uh, it was my
0: friend John was pretty pissed. Okay, well, pr-
1: some people. Uh, there's always there's the always majority, people,
0: except for my one friend who hates everything that everybody
1: likes. Yeah, there's always gonna be a few people who have an opinion on it. I mean, our was very well documented for his opinion on Kofi Kingston recently. But, uh, you know, that was the expected goal is that Kofi-mania happened. So, you know, I, I booked this money in the bank thing. We had I felt like we had done a good job. Matt, I lend a lot of credit to when he helps me on commentary. We had built up this Eric Silva character. And uh, in the finish with him and Matt Black, you know, we had established a lot of things going forward. And, and it was because people really seemed like they liked it you know uh Aether Aether was was a big storyline for us Aether for people who don't know has been in ECW since the first year of ECW and we've built him up as a very credible underdog a lot of other shows kind of uh kind of have him in underdog roles here and there too but he's been like our I guess kind of like our Kofi Kingston before the Kofi mania thing happened so we gave Aether his big championship win of money in the bank and people like went along with that story Oh man, like it. it was it was just nice. That's another topic, but that's why I like Twitch or people who are now doing YouTube live streams because getting that like and when we just uploaded to YouTube for a long time, we didn't get that kind of feedback. We didn't get people like in all caps typing "Oh my god as they're watching this." you know, and it, to me it's just, like more valuable that way. I get it. Um as long as like you said you- it seems like the Twitch thing
0: seems to be taken off. Actually, I think that was another thing that, that you were an innovator of when it came to uh, our sector of the community was the live streaming. Actually, well, there was one person that was doing it before you, but it was way ahead of its time. But I think you were the one that basically right. were able to convert yeah. people
1: to that. Um, I'm trying to remember, like, I don't think I had seen a lot of call-type shows doing live streams. I think like at the time in 2016, 2017, maybe FAM, which is Unite now, maybe they had done a couple of streams for one of their big shows. I don't remember though. Um I remember that at one point they were streaming though and this was probably after this point. But this is like my me getting into streaming. We talked about this I think right before we started recording um this podcast. Um Streaming to me was was is a very weird genesis for how it turned into a call thing for me. Um, I we had got internet our house. We started playing Grand Theft Auto online. I uh, was randomly like, oh hey Twitch, this is some kind of streaming thing. I would stream some of my friends watched me play Grand Theft Auto. Like nobody watched it, like a couple of views here and there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I gave up on it. This isn't gonna go anywhere. No big deal. Whatever. Uh well, around later that year for Father's Day. I got a new laptop. Um, Like Miranda, she came home, surprised me. I was not expecting it. She's like, I know you've been having issues with some of your, and this is mainly what it was for. This was her supporting the call thing, which blew me away. You know, I love my wife, but like, I didn't expect her to be like, here, this is for you to do your wrestling stuff. That's what it was. She was like, you know, there's a new computer. I went to Walmart, got this. You know, they said it's a good computer. I'm looking at all the specs on it and stuff. I'm like, this is fantastic. I can, like, GPU render a two-hour show now like, a couple hours, which before it would take, like, almost 36 hours to render a show at 480p. <laughs> it, was, it was, like, a night-and-day difference. Oh, yeah. So I'm, like, so I'm like, this computer can actually do things. So I'm like, I have to t- I have to see what else I can do. As we talked about, again, off-air before this started, I was using OBS to record commentary. But I knew as I downloaded OBS, open broadcast software, that it was actually a streaming software. So I started looking through some research into Twitch and stuff again. I have a Twitch channel. Maybe I can do something on Twitch. This is before YouTube had really kind of gotten back into streaming. Because people who don't know, YouTube and Twitch, they're like competitors with this kind of gaming platforming stuff. And uh, a lot of the innovations that Twitch brought to the table, YouTube does now, like the premieres. And even Facebook uses that now all the premier thing started on Twitch, and uh, it, it, they've, they've kind of went back and forth. like twitch uses video on demand now, which is essentially the YouTube uploader So it's interesting But uh, anyway, I, we had an event coming up. It was one of the events Had some pretty cool stuff going on with it uh, This is actually where we like kicked the door in on this Rage and Scorpions money game tag team feud Which people seem to kind of like going on now a couple other things were going on with it. There were some pretty cool matches at the time. And I said, you know what, guys? I said, I'm going to try something different for this, and it might blow up in my face and might not go over, but let's try streaming this Twitch. And uh, everybody was like, cool. Yeah, sense like a cool idea. And you know, I mean, we're all wrestling fans. We'll sit down sometimes like in one of our group chats and discuss Raw or something as it's live or WrestleMania or whatever's going on. Um, I said, what if we could all watch ECW together in one place? And people were like, yeah, that's a great idea. So Payback Over the Edge was our first stream. And it was like August of 17, I think, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. It seems like August of 17. is around that time frame somewhere. Uh, no joke. Like first stream, the numbers, and I don't exactly remember what how high they got, but somewhere around like 40 live views. Had a bunch of people who had never heard of ECW, weren't real familiar with what Call was, the way that we do it. And tons of, like, great feedback on this. And I, it sold me, immediately sold me. I was like, I'm, I'm doing this every time going forward now.
0: Well, yeah, because uh, it, it definitely helped you in the long run. But would you consider using YouTube as a streaming service?
1: Okay, well, I would. Except for like, there's things on Twitch that I, I do like a little better with the streaming um, Twitch for one as far as discord goes has a lot of integration with discord Where like you can just like right click on my name when I'm streaming on you know, think There's different things like that there's bots that um, when they work sometimes they don't work But there's bots that announce like the tags like everybody that's here and it says like Ryan is streaming on Twitch click here You know, there's different things like that. There's, like, some little things like that. Um, I have – I think you could probably still use them on on YouTube, but I have bots and stuff within the Twitch stream that, like, post my links to the Facebook and Twitter and stuff for me. And it's things that I've just become accustomed to with Twitch that that work for me. And this is another thing, too. uh, Not that I've, like, by any means got rich off of this because I haven't even paid for it yet. Because ECW streams did catch a little bit of traction, I did actually get to join the Twitch affiliate program. I never monetized my YouTube channel. It was never my goal to make money off of car wrestling. But I said, I'll join the Twitch affiliate program where it goes. And uh, it was kind of like a pat on my back, an accolade to me that I felt like I'd done something cool. And uh, in in joining that, actually, you're not able to stream on YouTube because they're a So that's why I don't stream on... so I upload to YouTube instead. So,
0: basically, if you're streaming on both sites, YouTube's not going to pay you a cent.
1: Yeah, and uh, honestly, I'm YouTube. YouTube's uh, copyright and monetization stuff has always been really strange. We're like, you know, if you don't get the copyright strike or you don't get blocked or something like that. And I'm not sure if they're streaming how it works while you're live on YouTube because I've never really looked into it. But I know on an upload... If you try to monetize a video and you have copyrighted music, you can't monetize it because they place ads to pay the owner of the content. So, you know, that's another thing to consider, too. On, on Twitch, they just mute the sections. when it's, when After it's done streaming and it's archived, they just mute the sections where there's copyrighted music that's present.
0: Well, yeah, and, and it's strange <laughs> because it doesn't seem consistent. And and not only that, it's usually record companies abusing their authority. Yeah,
1: it really is. It's a it's a very very iffy thing. Yeah, um, um, another thing too that like, caught me about Twitch is like and I mean, again, this is a, a thing that like, Max was very very keen on mentioning. Yeah, um, my YouTube channel doesn't grow overnight. You know, I think it's at like two hundred and fifty four subscribers right now. Uh, every once in a while, it seems like it picks up a few subscribers here and there. Not that subscribers are the end game, because subscribers—I uh, was talking to Ray about this earlier. Um, like my my in the last ninety days, I have fifty three percent viewers who are unsubscribed or non-subscribers, I should say. And like it was like forty nine or something—I don't know what the exact percentage was—oh, that were subscribed. So uh, subscribers aren't the end game on Twitch. Subscribers are followers, unless uh, subscribers are paid. Or affiliates or partners anyway um on twitch in the short time from like that august of like i said like I said, it's 2017 two years later till now on twitch i'm already almost to the number of followers that i have subscribers on youtube so i noticed like a bigger amount of growth on twitch and i think it was just that twitch is a popular platform also uh, as we talked about at the beginning of this youtube is very saturated um, if you go look on a search on Twitch for WWE, there's not a ton of people streaming WWE games on there to begin with. And secondly, definitely not people putting in like produced well thought out call shows. There's a few, but not as many as there are on YouTube. So Twitch is kind of like a new frontier uncharted territory. And if you have a very good product, you could blow up on Twitch, you know, as much as call would allow you to blow up. And I mean, it's just, you know, you believing in your own stuff and putting in that effort to make it grow and become something that people haven't seen there before.
0: Right, yeah. I, I'm i trying with Twitch, but right now it's just it, nobody's uh, watching my shit. I, I'll send a link to everybody and not one person's going to even look.
1: Twitch, uh, it, at the same time, a lot of it, is, it depends on what you're streaming, how you stream and stuff. If you're just streaming, you know, other gameplay. You know, I was in like when I really got invested in Twitch, I joined a lot of different Twitch groups, Twitch uh Discord servers, and we'd like read like what people were saying about, you know, how they promote their streams to people on social media, what times or optimal times to stream, um, what games people, you know, are into, avoiding like say like Mortal Kombat just came out. Mortal Kombat Eleven is a game that I'm really interested in getting right now. Um You don't want to know if that's the popular game. Like Fortnite is probably, I think, one of the biggest stream games. Fortnite and PUBG for a while were the two most dominantly featured games on Twitch. But if you're trying to be the next big Fortnite streamer on Twitch, you know, why are people going to watch you who they never heard of when Ninja is like on magazine covers for streaming it? So you're at a disadvantage there. It's definitely a big uh, it's an investment and it's something you really just kind of gotta you kind of gauge yourself and figure it out as you go there's no i guess no real true way to do it right but you know you have to just kind of keep sticking with it and you know, it'll, it'll catch on eventually if it's something that you really want to get into
0: well to, to wrap it up here because we're running very long time we're almost nearing the two hour mark here uh where where do you see the future for
1: ecw um, ECW right now for me is just at a, a place where I'm comfortable. I don't want to say complacent because I don't really ever feel complacent with it. But I have... I, I When we did this Velocity extension, we didn't really have a lot of room for people to join. But we had a lot of people who weren't wanting to join. And we said, alright, let's do something here. Let's do this Velocity thing. We can't put a bunch of ideas for it. And and so we've brought in more people. Um, definitely probably we're at a Peak capacity, I can't bring anybody else in, right? Any terms, it just won't be fair to everybody. So that, as far as growing, as far as like a roster is completely capped out. I'm happy with pretty much everybody I got. Sure, there's a couple things here and there that change. But otherwise, for me, it's just uh, Matt, Matt Black, as people know him. Um, he helps me bounce a lot of creative ideas back and forth. Um, I talked to like Ray and other people about production type stuff often. So it's me just trying to round out all of the edges of it and make it, you know, the best that it can be. And I said I don't compete with other shows, I compete with myself. So I want to make the best ECW that I can make, not the best call show that I can make. And I think the future, you know, as far as that goes, because I mean, I've had a couple of ups and downs with some personal things that I've gone through in recent years, but as far as making a call show at UCW, I'm very excited. I love everything about 2K19, um, the recording and everything on it. The, the presentation of the game was fantastic. And for me, I just want to just see, you know, how much I can get out of these games for the next few years as they continue to get better.
0: And not only that, see more talent come in and come out and be able to work with them in such a way that you can produce uh, – Compelling storylines and some good angles to go along yeah, with. Yeah. I
1: mean, like, I, I, if nothing else, like, I guess, like, you know, you look at things like, you know, when you leave from the community or whatever, and, you know, you take your leave and, and you're done with it. What do you, What do you leave behind? I know there's, like, all this talk, like, most of them caught shoot about it recently. And there's all this talk, you know, about, like, Sean Walsh had said something like, I want to leave the community better than it was. For me, I want to, like, like, it's kind of what the idea of, like, the call workshop was. We didn't really talk a lot about that on here, but I'll go ahead and kind of close with this. Um, when I got into the community, there was no the blueprint that said, this is how you make a show. This is what you have to do. It took me going out of my way to find a- and ask them questions and hear them say things. Mm-hmm. and And eventually kind of, you know, get these conversations out of people. I went like I like that as being kind of a guide. Where, like Ray has posted these tutorials. I've got more little tutorial type things I'd like to post there when I get around to it eventually. Um, I posted one brief one on Highlight reel. Anyway, I, you know, if somebody else, because I told like Walt Scott the other day, he's posted these like little clips of Universe Mode from his game. I said, dude, I said that's how ECW started. Me just tagging friends on my timeline. It didn't mean anything. I said, but if somebody. You know, does that and people get interested? Why, you know, why wouldn't you just have fun with it if you got the time to do it? Do it, you know. You know, you have to do it, but you know, what if you know, one of these young kids comes in, like uh, this kid just on CW named Connor? He's like, I think, like 15, you know, he's got a lot of time, a lot more time and call ahead of him if he chooses than I do. What if he wants to start, you know, his own fledgling little show, but he doesn't know how maybe you know. By talking to me, he'll get some tips. Now he can do it. And then he goes out and then he does. And at the end of the day, we all make friends doing this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like that there's guys who have come in and they're able to become a talent. You know, people are mentioning them, making them feel cool about what they're doing. You know, and then maybe some of them, they go on and they start their own show. You know, to me, that that's a win for me. I, I did something. Whether, whether or not ECW El Dorado Championship Wrestling is something people ever remember, eh, you know, that's fine. I don't, it wasn't ever meant for me to be the number one watched call show on YouTube. But, uh, you know, there's it's definitely some cool things that's happened as a result of ECW. And that's the stuff that makes me feel like I've done a little bit of something worth mentioning.
0: Yeah, well, uh, we touched upon a lot of shit today, as far as uh, just even talking about cause and coffins and how we want to improve with them. So, uh, RPJ, thank you for joining me. It's been, what, six episodes we were planning to do this ago? and <laughs> I that's was supposed
1: now. to be the uh, second guest in episode two.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was from there I learned, you know what, whoever's next, that's the next episode that goes up, so fuck it so
1: now we're yeah. eight
0: episodes in and finally we were able to get this one there was yeah a then fun. that
1: was and for, for the record that was totally on me i uh I, off. <laughs> I looked at the time that night i was like hey let's do it like uh whatever I looked, i'm like all right it's not gonna happen tonight mm. and then uh lo and behold like four more episodes came out i'm like oh man i don't know that i'm ever gonna make it on here so here we are. We got to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's been a couple of other people that have been one, and like uh, Ben Hopkins actually made it uh, well aware. He w- was wondering, how does one get on Call Accurate Podcast? And A.J. Hawks had made mention that he needs to get on, so uh, be on the lookout, you guys, because uh, at some point I will ask you. I just don't know when or where. So
1: Yeah, I, I made sure I... I said, I told the wife I said I'm gonna record this thing when I get home tonight. Just FYI, yeah, <laughs> basically I'm like, gonna knock it out of here. Make sure I make sure I don't delay it again. Because if I delayed it a second time, it would be like another 15 episodes before I showed up.
0: <laughs> yeah. So basically, you told her that yes, uh, th- this is way more important right now than than <laughs> uh, quality time with my wife. I got I, I gotta talk about call for two hours. I of like course. That. Anyways, <laughs> Rvj, thank you very much, and uh, to everybody else out there who listened to this. Uh, yeah, uh, just don't break any laws out there uh, uh, unless
1: they benefit you. Just don't break any laws.